Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. Well, I am also going to wish you a happy new year. Happy 2018. It is wonderful um, to be together today. And we're going to start straight off this morning as we enter into what we are going to be thinking about over the next few weeks as a church. And we are going to be thinking and reflecting on and considering worship. And we're going to be looking at this as we think about worship and our emotions, worship in the body, worship in our minds, worship in the spirit. And today we are going to be thinking especially about worship and the heart. And in case you're sat there and you're thinking, well, that sounds great, but what does she mean by worship? Let's start there because I am sure that for all of us, there will be things in our life that we love and that we treasure, whether that be our health or our freedom or our families, our friends, our jobs, our homes, whatever it might be. There are things that we honor and treasure and want the best for, and that is amazing. But when we talk about worship, we are talking about what we revere, what we give the most worth to. And Webster's Dictionary defines worship as to worship is to give extravagant love and extreme submission. This is worship. What we worship is what we give the most worth to. And what we give the most worth to is where we will find our own worth. What or who we worship is what will define our life. It is what will shape our hearts. And as we think about this over the next few weeks, we will consider how worship is both an attitude and an act. We practice the habits of worship. What or who we worship will influence the decisions that we make, how we spend our money, where we give our time, what we think about, who we think about. And we will practice the habits of that in the way that we act and what we do and how we live. But when we also think about worship together over the next few weeks, we are also thinking about our worship of God as a church are times that we call worship when the band lead us in song. It is one of the habits, one of the practices of the Christian faith to worship together. It is a time when we collectively gather to give extravagant love and extreme submission, again, to surrender and revere and adore above anything else, God. That is what we are thinking about. And when we sing and when we worship, it's not just songs that we start or finish our service with. It is actually a gift. It is a powerful act when we worship. I don't understand all the mysteries of faith, but when we worship, we somehow together create 
an atmosphere where we can experience God's love again and again and again. We can experience his forgiveness and his freedom and his healing. It can actually shape and change our hearts, the directions of our thoughts. God isn't confined to these times. He's not confined to anything, but he has also given us worship together as a practice, a practice that returns us, that reminds us, that resets us, that reorients us. And that is what we are going to be thinking about over the next few weeks. And today we're going to start by looking specifically at worship and the heart. And we are going to do this through the lens of a song It's an ancient song that the Israelites would sing as they began their yearly pilgrimage to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And we know it as Psalm 84 in the Bible. And it's one of my favorite psalms. It's the psalm that Rich um, read out to us just before. So we've basically sung it as well as we worship together this morning. And this is what it says. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked." Presence, pilgrimage, and perspective. It's what we find in this psalm, presence, pilgrimage, and perspective. And when we think about worship and the heart in this context, it is wrapped in presence, pilgrimage, and perspective. It speaks at the beginning of the psalm, how lovely is your dwelling place, God Almighty. Even the sparrow and a swallow have found their home there. Blessed are those, favored and honored and loved are those who dwell in your house, who dwell in your presence. And I guess my question to you at the beginning of this year is where has your heart made home? Where does your heart dwell? Where has your heart chosen to put down roots, chosen to remain, chosen to live? Where has your heart made home? And that might have been through a choice that you've made, or you may think, where has my heart made home? And you may realize that Things have happened almost in subconscious ways too, but our question is, where is your heart made home? And at the beginning of this year, I remind you or I let you know for the first time that you've been invited, that you've been invited, that you've been invited to make a home for your heart in the presence of God, 
in the heart of who God is. You have been invited to make your heart at home in his love that is bigger and wider and deeper than we can ever comprehend or ever imagine. And I don't know what you think of when you think of home. As you will know, I live in London, so this is my home, but some of you may also know that I have another home in Liverpool. And I was just back there for a couple of weeks over Christmas. And whenever I get um, the Virgin train, as soon as I sit on the train and I'm headed home, I feel like I'm there already. I feel like I'm there because, especially if I'm traveling first class, I don't know if you've ever taken the first class Virgin train to Liverpool. It's a great experience. I sit down. So, you know, if I'm, I've chosen my meal, then I ask for a glass of wine. Oh, just take the bottle, love. Have it all. Do you want another one? Take them home. We've got loads. I ask for a bit more food. No problem. The chef's got leftovers. I'll go and get them. I'm like, I am home. These are my people. This is great. There was one night over Christmas when we'd been out um, in Liverpool, and we'd been out for dinner, and then we went to the theater, and I realized as we were leaving the theater um, that I'd lost the belt off my coat. So I went and asked the, the lady who was working there, I was like, I've lost my belt. And I said, can I go back in and look for it? She's like, yeah. She called a few ushers. We were all looking for it. She's like, I'll put it out on the WhatsApp group. I was like, oh, don't, don't worry. Like, it's just about, love, it's your belt. We know you need it. You need it to keep you warm. So I was like, well, thank you, everyone. And then I thought, we'll just check back in the restaurant in case it's there. As soon as we walked into our restaurant, the waiter who served our table was like, yes, you've come back. We've got your belt. I was like, I love this place. <laughs> so it's not perfect, but it is great. Um, and a lot of fun. Whenever I go home to the house that my mum and dad live in, the house where I grew up, there's home baking ready. My mum has just gone all out to make what I um, most love. It's amazing. And I have also, as I'm sure a lot of us have, experienced being made to feel at home in different places. I have felt at home in the back of where someone has made their place. At the back of a crack bar, I have felt at home in a place that has been made out of bin bags and wood. I have felt to be made at home in a tiny 12-foot square room. I have been made to feel at home in a 1920s mansion. It is not the buildings that have made me feel at home. I haven't thought, oh, do you know what? They had great wallpaper. I felt really at home there. It is the presence of the people that made me feel at home. Psalm 84 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O God Almighty. My soul longs and thirsts for it. God's dwelling place is lovely because he is there because his presence is there. And it says, blessed are those who dwell there. And the psalmist longs for this place because he has come to find that true peace and security and life is found in God's presence. An early African theologian, Augustine of Hippo, says, you have made us for yourself, he is talking about God, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And in this home that God has created for us, his very own presence, there is no competition. Everyone has a space, even the swallow and the sparrow. 
It is not when we gather together to worship. It is not about who can sing the loudest or the best. It is not about success or failure. It is about home. It is about knowing that we can make home in God's presence. And in this place, we can flourish. We can know peace and freedom and wisdom that will help us in our day-to-day life. And when we worship together, we remember home and we experience it again. And we also come to know that if we choose to accept this invite, our hearts will never be homeless. And Psalm 84 establishes this vision of home. And then it tells us, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And pilgrimage isn't a word that we use in our everyday life, but it can be defined as a meaningful journey to a sacred place. Canon Stephen Shipley, who's a producer with BBC Radio, says, pilgrimage is far more than just making a physical journey. It's being prepared to allow the restlessness, which is in every human soul, to entice us away from the security we create in search of something deeper. Pilgrimage is a transformational journey. I don't know if you have um, ever undertook a journey like this, an adventure or a meaningful journey. This is me on the side of a mountain. No, it's not. (laughs) This is a picture from the internet. (laughs) But you may have undertook a similar journey, a journey whether it be uh, climbing a mountain. Maybe you've actually done one of the ancient pilgrim ways, the Caminos. Maybe you've cycled for miles, whatever it might be. And if you have, you will know that when you talk about this journey, when you remember this journey, you don't just talk about the facts of when it began and when it ended. Yep, I did this and it began on the 12th of July and then we actually arrived on the 12th of August. No, you talk about it all. You talk about the different terrain that you encountered. You talk about what the weather was like as you passed through the different parts. You talk about the people that you met and the conversations that you had on the way. You talked about what you thought as you saw different vistas. You thought you talk about how you might have been changed as you come to understand the world and yourself in different ways. We don't just talk about the beginning and the end. We also talk about the middle. And this is the essence of pilgrimage. It is about how we start, who we become, and about how we finish. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> and Psalm 84 teaches us to set our hearts on pilgrimage, to see life as this kind of journey. Not just about the facts, not just about where we begin and where we're going to finish, but actually all of the middle too. To set our hearts on pilgrimage, step by step, thank you friend, by step by step. And this is a choice that we have. There's so many um, verses throughout the Bible that tell us that we will choose what we will set ourselves on. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on the things of Christ. Set your heart, set your life. 
because we will all be journeying towards something. And we get to choose what J.K. Smith, who is a Canadian philosopher, he says, to be human is to be on the move, pursuing something after something. We are like existential sharks. We have to move to live. We are not just static containers or ideas for ideas. We are dynamic creatures directed towards some end. And the heart is the fulcrum of your most fundamental longings, a subconscious orientation to the world. The center of gravity of the human person is located not in the intellect, but in the heart. Why? Because the heart is the existential chamber of our love, and it is our loves that orient us towards some ultimate end. It's not just that I know some end or I believe in some goal. More than that, I long for some end. I want something and I want it ultimately. So the question isn't whether you will love something as ultimate. The question is what you will love as ultimate. What you will set your heart upon. And if we have chosen to say yes to this invite to make our hearts at home in the presence of God, then we also get to choose to set our hearts on pilgrimage towards him, step by step, day by day, week by week, year by year, growing more and more towards him. The Bible talks a lot about our friendship with God growing. It talks a lot about putting down roots so that we can grow and we can flourish. And I don't know if you've ever bought a home, but on the day that you find completion of your home, it is yours. That home is yours. You have it. But you also make it more your home when you move in. As you choose how to decorate it, where to put your pictures, how you'd like to use it, how you're going to arrange it, what color the walls will be, whatever it might be. It becomes more and more your home as you settle in, as you take roots in it. It becomes more and more filled with your presence. It's your home from the day one and it becomes more and more your home. And in a sense, it's like that with our friendship with God. If we say yes to make our hearts at home in his love, that's it. (laughs) We're in. And we also become more and more at home in his presence as we choose to find our strength in him and journey towards him. Henry Nguyen says, from the moment we claim the truth of being the beloved, we are faced with the call to become who we are. Becoming the beloved is the great spiritual journey that we have to make. And thousands of years ago, the Israelites who, who sung this song, you may have heard that they were in captivity for hundreds of years. And if you don't know the story, you can read about it in Exodus. They'd been slaves in Egypt, and then God, through um, lots of different ways, and a leader called Moses, actually brought them out of slavery. Yep, here they are. <laughs> Picture they sent me. <laughs> no. Um, 
but he actually brought them out of Egypt. And he had an idea to take them on a 40-day pilgrimage to freedom. He had an idea that he was setting them free from physical slavery in Egypt and leading them to freedom of their whole life where they could live in this land and they could live free both physically and in their hearts. They could live as their truest selves and they set off on foot. And as they were en route, God actually gave them Um, laws, if you like. And he said, do you know how we're going to make it? Do you know how you're going to know freedom? Do you know how you're going to live this life that I have for you? You're going to love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. This is how Jesus summed it up when he was talking about it. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Worship God. He said, when, as you begin to worship me, you will experience my presence. But What should have been a 40-day pilgrimage to freedom turned into a 40-year circular walk around the same mountain again and again and again and again. Generations died before they ever entered the land that God had for them. Why? Because it all came back to where they chose to make their heart at home, who they chose to worship. That is what it all came back to. And it seemed like the Israelites decided that they would worship anything but God. They melted down their gold and they turned it into a cow and they worshiped that. It seems like they decided to worship their past and they complained and complained about how things always used to be better. It seems like they decided to set their hearts on not believing God's promises because they actually got to the edge of the promised land and they sent in some guys to check it out and they came back with the report. There's no way we can do it. There's no way that we can enter into all that God has for us. There's no way that we can enter into that freedom. And so they set their hearts on what they decided could or could not be possible. A 40-year circular walk. They were stuck in the same season again and again and again because of who they chose to worship. And Psalm 84 tells us, Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, not that they will be stuck in the same season, but they will go from strength to strength to strength. And I don't know if you feel like you have been going around the same mountain for days or weeks or months or years. Maybe you feel you connect with those Israelites and you feel like you have been come stuck in the same season. And my question is, where has your heart made home? Maybe you feel like you've got stuck in some of the same places that the Israelites did, that you're looking to the past, that you're thinking, if only I could go back there things used to be better. I just want to go back there. I can't possibly bear to think about all that is to come. And without realizing it, possibly that is actually what you have set your heart on, the past and how things used to be. Maybe you have set your heart on real, you deciding what you are capable of, of you maybe thinking, I'm not enough. I'm not enough to actually believe all the promises that God has for me. I'm not enough to believe that he will do what he says he will do. I'm not enough for his love. Maybe 
you've decided that you are just stuck in the same season of not being able to see a vision of the future, whatever it might be. I invite you, if you would like to think, you know what, I want to break out of this season. I do not want my life to be a circular walk. We have some practical things here at church. We have the steps course. We have alpha course that you heard about. We have other pastoral care courses that you can find out about on our website that are practical ways that help us break free from some of the behavior patterns that we might want to move out from. And I've done them. They're amazing. At some point, though, it will also come to the question of where our heart has made home and what we are set our hearts towards. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They will go through the Valley of Baca, also known as the Valley of Tears. This was the part of the Israelites' journey that was the most barren. It was the valley. It was dark. It was horrible. They will pass through this place, and they will make it a place of springs. The psalm says... This is the promise of pilgrimage in God's strength. Life is a pilgrimage. We will encounter all seasons. We will encounter joy and laughter. We will encounter grief and tears. Sometimes we will encounter them all mixed up in the same season. But the promise of pilgrimage is that we will pass through, that we will pass through. And the promise is also that in the very place of the valley of our tears, that place will become, as we encounter God's presence there, a place that springs with life. It will be in the valley of tears that we will encounter God's presence that will bring healing and restoration and will awaken hope again and will set us on our next step. To be on pilgrimage is to trust this promise. And worship is a gift to us. It is a gift that helps to set our hearts on pilgrimage. As we sing together, as we gather together as the church, as we sing again of the story that we are part of, we're singing in this moment because this moment is also all that we have, but we are also singing our future. We are singing of all that is to come. We have sang it. I wasn't with you for all the songs here this morning because I just came from the South Service, but when we were there, we sang Um, heart of my own heart will ever befall, still be my vision, ruler of all. We're resetting our hearts. We sang, God, you are good. God, you are good. We're reminding ourselves of who we are. We sang, forever you are faithful. We're telling ourselves that whatever terrain is coming, God is faithful and we will know his presence in every season. Whatever we worship, whoever we worship, where our heart makes home, what we have set our hearts upon will bring practices and habits into our life. And it might be that we want to take some time at the beginning of this year to think, what habits and practices are actually shaping my heart? What am I living by? And if you think, I want to choose to choose God, I want to set my heart on him, I 
want to set my heart on pilgrimage, then think, what does this mean for my habit of worship, both day to day and also as we gather together and we sing of him? In our worship, we are given our vision for life, and we sang it this morning here. It says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist is saying one thing. There is one thing that will set my perspective of life. One thing is that your presence, God, is better than anything I could ever taste. Your presence is the one thing that will define my life. And you may have heard of an experiment that Canon Photography undertook in Australia a little while ago, and they gathered a group of photographers together, and they also had a guy called Michael. And they introduced Michael to the photographers one by one. And every time they introduced him, they actually told a different story about him. They introduced him as someone different because they wanted to see the perspective that the photographers would take by whatever they were told about him. Um, you can see his picture on here. First of all, he was Michael the alcoholic. This was a portrait from this perspective. Then he was Michael the ex-prisoner. hope you can I feel a bit in the way, but I'm not sure. Michael the hero. This is a photo, Michael the fisherman, Michael the psychic, <laughs> Michael the self-made millionaire. That was the end of Michael. Great. Thank you, <laughs> friends. What they were told about Michael set their perspective and the story that they chose to tell about him. Our perspective of life will shape our worship and is shaped by our worship. The story that we understand life by is what will be what we will retell. What we will retell to ourselves, what we will communicate to one another, what we will live by. And our perspective leads to our therefores. My perspective of life is that God created us, therefore... I believe that he loves us and he knows us. My perspective of life is that Jesus Christ came to earth and lived and loved as a human being. And he died and he came back to life, overcoming death. And he is coming again. Therefore, I wait and I live for his return in the, in the moment. My perspective of life is that there is always forgiveness. Therefore, nothing is ever a write-off. My perspective of life is that we are told to love our neighbors. Therefore, I will do my best to be kind. My perspective is, therefore, you can fill your own in. My perspective is, therefore. My perspective is, therefore. What we choose to set our minds on and see as our perspective of life is what will lead to our therefores, which will determine how we live. And I wonder if the band would like to come back up. Thank you. And the amazing thing is that as we make our personal decisions about where our heart makes home, about what we choose to worship and set our hearts on, about the perspective that we will take of life, as we gather together as church, we bring our collective stories. This isn't just my story and your story and your story. This is our story. And so when we gather together, we remember that we 
as Christchurch London, have been invited to make ourselves at home in God's presence. We, as Christchurch London, have been invited to pilgrim and orient ourselves towards him. We, as Christchurch London, have been invited to sing again and again and set our perspective of life by what he says. And if you are here for the first time, you are exploring faith, you are asking questions about God, you are so welcome here. And I hope that you feel at home and feel free to be yourself in this place. And if you have been here for a while and you have made this decision to make your heart at home as we sing together now, can I encourage you? We have already done it. We do it every week. But as we especially think about this series, to think, oh, I am bringing my worship to God this morning with my family. I will experience home again as I do. I am reminding myself. I am practicing the habit of worship. And I know that for some of us, life is just crazy and it's a bit all over the place. And the very fact that we are here is an amazing achievement and well done if that is you. And for some of us though, that we will be able to get here and be in the auditorium for 11 o'clock. And if you can do that, can I encourage you to do that so that we begin our worship together, so that we begin our reorienting, our reminding, our resetting ourselves together so that we experience the fullness of God's grace and his life as we do so together. We are going to sing, so I wonder if you would like to um, stand with me, and we will worship, and we will sing of God. And if you are here and you think, do you know what? I have never thought about this before, but I would love to make my home in God's presence. Please feel free just to chat to someone you came with, one of the prayer team, um, me, whoever else it might be that you want. But I will pray, and then we will sing together. Father, I thank you that you have invited us. You have made a place for us to dwell in your presence. You have made space for us to always know more and more and more of your life and your goodness and your hope. Father, I thank you that whatever season of life that we are in, whether we are at the top of the mountain or we are in the valley of tears, in every season, we can be strengthened by you. And we can go from strength to strength to strength as we set our hearts on you. And as we sing together again this morning, Holy Spirit, I invite you to awaken these words that we will sing in our hearts in the way that only you can to breathe life again into our hearts at the beginning of this year, to help us. You say that you're our helper. Would you help us to re-know all that you have given us? Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit christchurchlondon.org